In the 1970s, a future top-notch podcasting team was born, and then raised on military bases because their dads were in the Air Force. These Gen Xers eventually grew up and were unleashed upon the world. Today, looking forward to retirement, they survive by dishing out their opinions. If you have questions that need answers and an open mind, if you can spare 60 minutes a week, and if you have internet access, maybe you can listen to Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. The story so far. In the beginning, the universe was created on Tuesday podcasts were invented you're listening to one of the best ones ever created right now welcome back to another episode of your favorite little grassroots podcast kenyatta jack save the world that gentleman there is jack i'm kenyatta and we come to you just as dedicated as ever on our ongoing and never-ending quest i would say (laughs) that our internal fire on saving the world is actually been reignited and stronger than it was i think we're even more passionate about saving the world especially it's an election year so boy we're gonna be right here with you up until november i don't know about y'all but uh. damn (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's as good as anything damn okay (laughs) (laughs) so if you're if you're here, you know what we do. We're going to get into our, our our prequels, but Jack would like to have a moment to discuss some serious things. So you have the comp. Well, thank you. In lieu of my normal WTF, I just have to say that one of the things like we have been talking about over the course of this show is that Since Trump, people have been given permission to be the worst versions of themselves. And we have been saying that this was going to cause minorities, LBGTQ+, all, you know, all of these people that they've been going after to get some, to get, someone was going to get killed from it. And it happened. And what makes it even worse is it's really second generation bigotry. Because this was done by 16-year-old kids, which means about seven, eight years ago, you know, they were eight, nine, eight and nine, and they have spent the last eight, nine years with being taught because all of a sudden now bigotry is cool. Hating people is cool. And the end result was exactly what we said was going to happen, that someone was going to get killed. And it happened. And it was... Um, 16 year old uh, Nex Benedict and this whole thing has really just really irritated me one here in Oklahoma City the local news stations reported on it Monday night and then took it off Monday night you could not find anything about it on any of their websites on Tuesday the first channel here in Oklahoma City that reported on it, it was 10 p.m. on Tuesday night. And then on Wednesday, it was making, um, at about 3.45, two of the other stations posted it on their websites. 
And that was when the Owasa Police Department came out and said they didn't die from blunt force trauma. It was a drug overdose. I'm sorry, you can't have your head curb stomped for multiple minutes and not have blunt force trauma. And I know Oklahoma since, you know, I live here. We are smack dab in the middle of MAGA land. All 77 counties in the state of Oklahoma have voted red since 2004. Not trying to be jerky or whatever. A good chunk of law enforcement in the state of Oklahoma are MAGA. And knowing a lot of people in the state of Oklahoma and knowing how MAGA is, they probably think that they deserved it because of that. Um, I can say that because I'm related to somebody who feels that way. I went full no contact with that person because of that. And I don't give a crap if you think being transgendered is wrong, being a lesbian is wrong, being gay is wrong, all of that crap. A person has a right to live, whether you agree with it or not. Your opinion on what that other person does doesn't matter. And next, had a right to live, a right to pursue happiness a right to be themselves, whether you agree with it or not. And that attitude led to their death. And you know what? Chances are, okay, maybe it was a drug overdose, but you know what? If you had, if you were curb stomped for five to 10 minutes, you're probably going to want to take a lot of pain pills. <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's the same it's the same non-accountability that was taken when Chauvin murdered George Floyd. Yeah. Oh, no. He died from drugs. Oh, so you mean to tell me the knee on his neck for over nine minutes didn't have it? Right. Exactly. This state of Oklahoma should be embarrassed that this was reported on in the London Times before our local news media reported on it as a serious story. I saw mention of it on threads first. Of all things, someone posted a link. I was like, yeah. what's this? And I barely made it through it. I was like, this is fucking ghastly. Yeah. And they did everything they could. Even in the immediate aftermath, they did everything they could to act like what happened didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, my wife sent me a screenshot of one of the few friends that she has that's a MAGA because it outraged my wife so much. And it was, see, I told everybody not to jump to conclusions. Everyone was saying it was because of this, and it turned out that it was a drag overdose or something along that line. I'm, I'm ticked off. I'm not reading it correctly. And I'm like, oh, so then that that makes it okay. Let's just excuse the assault that took place that led to everything. Let's just excuse that. But you know what? MAGA excuses that crap all the time. But I guarantee you that if next would have been a straight white person 
and some black people did that, the outrage would be probably 20 times greater than you're hearing as the story is now, or with Chauvin, you know, when he did that to George Floyd. The outrage from that particular group of people would be astronomical if it would have been that way. And I, I, this whole thing, it has me pissed off with the way the media has handled it. It has me pissed off because I'm fairly certain the police department is lying about that on the autopsy. The school system knew for the entirety of this year about the bullying that was taking place, did not do shit about it. And I'm heartbroken for the parents and the rest of the family. Heartbroken for them because their child was lost for a bullshit reason. And same as, you know, Trayvon and George Floyd, these people don't give a crap otherwise and actually applaud it because remember, there are good people on both sides. Don't get me started. <laughs> and to me, this is just the the next step that is happening in a world that's being where half of it is being run by bigots because now bigotry is okay. It mm. the whole thing just has me completely irritated. Anyway, that's my rant. Feel free to join in if you would like. <laughs> but no, I think you covered it. And really, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I got nothing else. I'm I'm sick of it. I'm yeah. sick of I'm I'm sick of hearing whether they be sixteen or fifty two. I'm sick of hearing people. Being so full of rage and lacking maturity that they think the only way to resolve their conflicted feelings is to inflict violence on someone else. Yeah. <laughs> How does that? Mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. And somewhat related because we've discussed the. Superintendent of Oklahoma Public Education, Ryan Walters, before, who is a major bigot. Hmm. Um, there's a, a restaurant owner here in town. Um, I'm, Well, I mean, his name's Sean Cummings. He's all over TikTok and Facebook. And this man goes to city jail meetings, you know, that the county has to argue for the treatment of prisoners in the county jail. And he goes to school board meetings to, you know, talk about, hey, maybe you shouldn't have the person of libs of TikTok on the library ruling committee for the state of Oklahoma, especially since they live in, you know, California. She lives in California. But, yeah, let's just put her in a prominent position in the Oklahoma Department of Education. And he goes and he takes his full time and he goes and talks and he points out their hypocrisy and everything like that. Every time he goes to a school board meeting, when he's done, he starts getting phone calls from out of state numbers that are threatening his life. Of course. 
Of course, the minute you have the nerve to challenge this stale-ass, old-ass, predictable status quo, immediately people want to do something to you. I just got through listening to a book, probably my first audio book, and I don't know how long, uh, called Mediocre. And it's subtitled, let me get it right, because I don't want to misquote the book or the author because it was a damn fine uh, piece of informative literature. Yeah, you posted a picture of it on social media, and I thought, I don't recall writing my autobiography. Mediocre, subtitled The Dangerous Legacy of White Male Power. This is the same woman that, um, I want to say 2019, she wrote a book called So You Want to Talk About Racism. That was the book all the white folks went out and bought in the aftermath of George Floyd. It was it was uh, the trending thing to do to get uh, edumacated. Mm. Anyway, so I think it was twelve hours long. I managed to get through it in two days. Pretty good. Uh, when I tell you I had to stop several times, I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, so much truth I can't take it. Because basically, like each chapter is some deep dive in a particular incident surrounding a white guy, like white guys in power. So she has a chapter on our current president and his stand or lack thereof on public busing back when he was running for Senate for Delaware years ago. He was like, he's pro, but he's anti. She had a chapter on they call Bernie Bros, supporters of Bernie Sanders, who are pretty much like a cult at this point. <laughs> Even though that that man is not going to do anything else big, but they're still like a cult. And she talked about how after she had wrote her first book, she would get threats. All the books that she's written between these two, people would email her, people would call her. She's gotten doxxed, she's gotten swatted. All of this. She has two children. And she's like, they, they're they coming for me because I'm telling them the truth. I'm like, sis, you sure are? Because when I tell you. Yeah. If we could quit swatting mm. people because you don't like them, that'd be kind of nice. That'd be great. That, that would, would be fantastic. That would be great. But yes, if you get a chance, see if you can find that one. It is an excellent listen because she reads it herself. It is an excellent listen. And you can, you're safe putting it on 1.25 if you feel like it's a little slow at regular speed. So, But it was excellent and it was informative. There was stuff in there about folks we all know that I had never heard about. I'm like, oh. Yeah. A little, it was just frightening. It was really frightening. And then immediately after, because I was on an audiobook roll, I listened to James Baldwin, The Fire Next Time. Mm-hmm. Also. It was divine. I only read one of his one 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 other of his book before. I had read like transcripts and interviews, 
But I knew when you get you get in the James Baldwin, it's gonna do something to you. And I was a scared cat. I'm like, I don't want, I don't want whatever's gonna happen to happen when I read. And it happened. Right. Like I was just stunned in the silence. And the the narrator was um Jesse Martin. Um, he used to be on Law and Order. Yeah, he was also on The Flash. Yes, tall. And he had the perfect voice to narrate it. it he he read, he read it so beautifully. It's it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. He does like it's have literally a narration voice. He does. It's very smooth, like cognac. Uh, well, I just checked out mediocre from my library app. Very so. good. Go ahead and get set up and listen to that tomorrow at, at the job. Yeah, I guarantee. Even the intro, she comes out the gate hot, and she doesn't let up. I'm like, girl, you fighting a good fight. You doing the Lord's work. Like, yeah. if I ever met her, I'm be like, you doing the Lord's work, and I'm gonna pray for you and your family because people are insane in these streets. All right, so I will try to make my WTF refifth. Actually, it's a two parter. Okay. Because a little bit of audio I would like to um, share. And you're going to be familiar with this because I know you've heard it. So here we go. Even the sneaker thing. I was on social media last night. Very interesting. As you see, black support eroding from Joe Biden. This is connecting with black America because they love sneakers. They're into sneakers. They love the, you know, th this is a big deal, certainly in, in the inner city. So when you have Trump roll out his sneaker line, they're like, wait a minute, this is cool. He's reaching them on a level that defies and is above politics. The culture always trumps politics. And Trump understands culture like no politician I've ever seen. Question for you on that point, though. Yeah. Will the people that are excited about the sneakers and excited about Donald Trump, will that translate into them going out and voting for Donald Trump? Well, anybody willing to put 400 bucks down for a pair of sneakers? Yeah, I think that's commitment and love. I it's hope something. You're right. It's something. It's affection. So there you go. <laughs> you hadn't heard that? I had not. Okay. Um I should I should have gathered just by the fact that you slammed um, your head into the desk. Uh, she's with, not lying, listening friends. I actually did do that. With he said, um, black black people love sneakers. Black people love sneakers. <laughs> I'm like, they just say anything now. Black people love up. sneakers. And that's, you know, as a black person, I'm sure you have no other thoughts on how to vote for a candidate than if they've released sneakers or not. Am I right? That I is, can't speak. I I really I I can't even pretend to speak and have any any real idea because there are black people as you know as far as they appear in the social saying yeah I'm gonna still vote for him. But he just pandered. You know the remember in Billy Madison when they're having the little competition about knowledge in the school thing and. Billy Madison goes on his thing and the principal guy is like, we are all stupid for having, we are all stupider for having heard that or whatever it was. Yeah. Know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that, that just occurred to us. And I would say that for the Fox news audience, that they are dumber for having heard that. But, oh, I don't, 
I they I don't, don't they know don't if even, that's possible. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if it's possible, and I don't even think that they think it's dumb. They probably think it's a brilliant insight. Yeah, that it's, it's the hottest take all week. Yeah, and I guess that guy didn't uh, see the part of the video where he, Trump went up there and he was booed relentlessly because they just booed the hell out of him when that happened. Which I thought was funny because he didn't really know how to handle that. Other than he's all, there's a lot of emotion here. There's a lot of emotion. And there's this long line. Nobody's ever seen a long line before. It, it's just never seen a long line like that. Did, seriously? But aside from, mm. I, I don't even know how to respond to that guy. Mm. But since we're on the subject of his air cons, his air felonies. His Jan sixes. <laughs> yeah, his Jan sixes. His air insurrectionists. <laughs> yeah, his air insurrectionists. His, um, a couple thoughts. One, somebody went and found something back from when Melania was a model, and she's very scantily clad holding a pair of gold sneakers. Oh. The only thing missing was the flag and the T on it. Two, if you go and read the fine print, apparently the only pair of those sneakers that have been manufactured, are there's only like four or five of them that have actually been manufactured, and it was so, one, he could show them at the thing. Mm -hmm. um, and two, if you read the fine print, it says there is no guarantee that they're even going to manufacture these sneakers, but... By agreeing, by clicking this, you are agreeing that it is non-refundable whether you get sneakers or not. So the fine print also said we'll start shipping them in July and August. Um, and at least three times said we cannot guarantee the time it will take to ship. We cannot guarantee or give any estimates on shipping time. We cannot guarantee. <laughs> no. I was like. It's a joke, right? And then they claim all the pre-sales are sold out. Right. Sure. And sure. I also find it funny sure that all these, all these people bitching about how the you can't buy crap because you don't have any money in the Biden economy are spending 400 bucks on a pair of freaking sneakers that probably don't even have the quality of Dollar General sneakers. I would sooner wear the sneaker. You know the sneakers that used to be in the grocery store hanging from the little strip with the they <laughs> yes. with the elastic on them that like your your mom would try to buy you and you just you freak out and she'd actually buy you something that approaching name brand. I would sooner wear a pair of grocery store sneakers for the rest of my life. Right? <laughs> for those. Cause that was the gaudiest. Most ridiculous—that's something Homelander would wear if he was hopped up on LSD. Yeah, but that was so commentator on Fox. I just—how how can you really? Hmm? Your entirety of—have you? Have you like ever actually had a conversation with somebody that's not white? No. Fella, um, you know what? Yes. Black no, he has not. Like sneakers, but you know what? White people like sneakers. 
I like sneakers. My wife has her lawn mowing sneakers and her other sneakers. I have like nine pair. I don't wear the same shoes two days in a row because I like sneakers. My child is a sneaker head. I know she got at least 10, 10 pair somewhere in there. I know she does, even though she claims to have trimmed. She likes sneakers. But my daughter also has taste, as, as do millions of other people. So I feel... I feel like the lies, 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 the lies. I just, I can't anymore. That's really guy. I think these people can't get any dumber. Oh, hey. Speaking of dumber, Tommy Tuberville's on MSNBC. Um, but not only is it hilarious, though, it's insulting. Did you really think? I mean, you're gonna buy. You're gonna buy over black folk because you you shuttled us. You shut us a couple checks in 2020 and some gold shoes. And now some gold shoes, and you think that's all it takes? And I mean. <laughs> This is me impersonating that guy. Is he like literally inside his head thinking that like, this is how I see it playing out in his head. He's probably going, oh, yes, Mazza, thanks for the the shoes. I appreciate it, Mazza. You know what I mean? As they shuffle away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate you letting me have something on my feet. Oh, let me just, oh, because I had to look him up. He is Raymond Arroyo. His father migrated from Central America. Mm. So you're first generation. And this is what you think. Okay. I'm just Um, out of curiosity. Did he immigrate from Argentina? For some reason, I didn't say. Just said Central America. Oh, I guess Central America, not. I was thinking you said South America, so yeah, that would Argentina is considerably further south. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm, it's not like I want to do any deep dive on this dude. But I, I saw his face, I saw his name. I'm like, wait a minute, he not all, he not white. He's just white leaning. <laughs> he's, he's white adjacent. <laughs> that is correct, and I feel so. I'm feel sorry for that you bought into it, just like a whole other. Shitload of melanated people who keep buying into the idea that <clears throat> you lean white, you're white adjacent, that you'll be protected. People keep lying to you. you, keep buying it. That's your fault. Anyway, that wasn't even my real WTF, is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> right? It, I keep it what? brief. <laughs> it, it's almost insulting to say that using that. <laughs> Saying it like that was insulting because, like, it's insulting to being insulted to, <laughs> to say that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Okay. Let's see if you can make me slap my head on my desk again. I might. I might. So, this actually takes place in Alexandria, Virginia, with uh, 
some dispute over the admissions policy at a high-end high school up there in Alexandria called Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. After the 2020 and George Floyd and, you know, the reckoning, the school decided it wanted to adjust its admissions policies. Because before, they, they made changes to it effective, I believe, it was 2021, 2021-22 school year. Before then, their student body makeup was 73% Asian American, a little less than 2% Black, 3% Hispanic, 18% white. In the Fairfax County school system, which is where Alexandria is, Fairfax County, and there's money up there. In the Fairfax County school system in 2020, 37% of the students were white, 27% Hispanic, 20% Asian, and 10% Black. Do you see something a little off about the numbers? Geez, I couldn't see any sort of number oddities involved with that other than, you know, 17 percentage points for one group over the other. <laughs> so the story, and I second math. I second math also. Fortunately, I have the article in front of me. So the school changes its admission policy, and they used to go by standardized testing, and they used to take applications from X amount of top students in the school system. They changed it. They threw out standardized tests. They opened up at, at applications or admissions to all of the students from all the public middle schools in the area now. Mm-hmm. They're widening who has the opportunity to apply. And they made their admissions race blind, which meant they would get an application, no name, no race, just grades and accomplishments. That's it. After they implemented this in 2021. I'm going to take a guess. (laughs) I have a feeling of what's going to happen. I'm not going to say it. It's going to smell familiar, but you're probably right. Asian American students offered admission dropped from 73% to 54%. The percentage of black students grew from that under 2% to 8. Hispanic students from 3% to 11. White students from 18 to 22%. Now there's a coalition after all this. A coalition was formed of concerned citizens Fairfax County saying their admissions policy is discriminatory towards Asian American students. This is exactly the same argument, the basis of it anyway, that the folks that brought the lawsuit against Harvard and UNC. Same thing. And do you want to know who's behind this? I'm going to say that it's not George Soros, <laughs> the the normal boogeyman for the side of the right. But uh, hmm, there are several people that it could be. It could be Peter Till. It could be uh, 
one of the Koch brothers. Well, the surviving Koch brother, I guess. There's another dude. I can't think of his name. That Harlan Crow guy. Blum. This yeah. is Blum. It's the Pacific Legal Foundation is behind it. The 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 coalition or the 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 concerned citizens is called uh, the TJ Coalition. Oh, Coalition for TJ Thomas Jefferson. Um, they're the ones that brought the lawsuit, and it worked its way through district court and blah blah blah, all the way up to Supreme Court. And Supreme Court was like, "Hold up, we're not going to hear this," which is interesting and kind of surprising. Because it kind of it kind of smells to me like they're second guessing themselves now. You just got through saying last year that um, Harvard and UNC couldn't do what they were doing, but now you're trying to chicken out on this, mm-hmm. and it blows my mind that I'm I I understand that parents want the best for their kids when it comes to education. This is blatant bullshit because you can't I don't know how they got Asian American students are being discriminated against because the number of it uh, offered admissions fell it's still in the majority right it's just not yeah but the fact that the percentages of three other ethnic groups went up while Asian American students admissions went down all of a sudden they've interpreted as you're discriminating against Asian Americans yeah. Yeah. Like I legit had to read the article a couple times. I'm like, am I understanding this right? So once again, somebody actually believes that if you give somebody a little something more, you're taking away from somebody else. Oh my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you because mm. um when when we're recording the pod. It's always on a Thursday night, but I always keep um, one of the sort of news channels on because they operate by the hour. So I kind of use it as like a timekeeping type of thing. Right. So now and today I had it on uh, MSNBC because I like Joy Reid and she was on before we started recording. And now (laughs) they are doing this story about Fox hosts under fire for racist remarks on Trump's shoes. And guess who it is? (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Arroyo? <laughs> yes. I can't imagine. Fucking idiot. <laughs> Dare you disparage idiots by comparing them. Like that man <laughs> literally went out there and said that with so much glee. Like I'm anyway, I'm uh I'm gonna let I'm gonna let the media handle dragging him. They don't pay me enough to do that all day. Right. But that's right. that's my WTF. I'm interested to see where this goes. Primarily yes. because, like I said, it's Virginia, so I'm always I'm always interested about things that pop off in Virginia, especially where education is concerned. And I've, right. I've come to the conclusion that this is another avenue for conservatives to get their way is going through the schools. Oh, and, yeah. and and affecting how kids are being educated and what kids are being educated. Oh, yeah, you see that right here in Oklahoma. I mean, not just with who's on the right, school yeah. board, who gets appointed, whatever. Like this stuff through too. courts, yeah, through courts as well. Yeah, it's it's nefarious, and yeah. I'm sick of it, and I'm tired of people using kids for the, you know, acting like well, we care about the kid. No, the fuck you don't. Right. 
Anyway, absolutely don't. Because if you <laughs> did, you would, you know, not have an issue with underprivileged children having school lunch programs during the summer. That's caring about kids. Speaking of underprivileged. Oh, that was a good transition. We're going to get to the main topic. And it's it's related to a lot of things, even now, even nowadays, even nowadays. So I'm going to jump right in. Picture it. 1976. A fella by the name of Ronald Reagan, who was at the time governor of California, was running his first attempt at running for president of the United States. In one of his campaign speeches, he's talking about how welfare, government aid, the program is in shambles. And people are robbing it blind, robbing from people who really need help. And so he brings up an example. Quote, in Chicago, they found a woman who holds the record. She used 80 names, 30 addresses, 15 telephone numbers to collect food stamps, Social Security, veterans benefits for four non-existent deceased veteran husbands, as well as welfare. Welfare. Yeah. Her tax-free cash income alone has been running $150,000 a year. And he got dragged because, you know, critics of Reagan was like, he made that up. He's just trying to make people look bad. He's, he's using it to make a point. This person doesn't exist. She did. He was actually talking about a real person. Here's the fun part. In the article I read about her, specifically about her, because some of the other stuff I read, they talked about her in reference to the overall issue with the welfare system. But there's one specifically about her. She'd had so many aliases, nobody was really sure what name she was born with, what name did she die with, what name did she go on by through all of her years. Most people refer to her, though, as Linda Taylor, because that was the name she was going by when she was arrested. For what? Lots of stuff. But let me throw this out real quick. It's too bad that she was sort of a criminal because she would have been great for getting grants for a nonprofit. She would have been something. She would have been something. If she was willing to put that kind of effort in, imagine if she was using that power for good. She was no joke. No joke. Like, I'm going to include the link to this story just about her. Because outside of, you know, what she's being used as an example of, her her own story is wild. But it all, it, it's, it's, she got put on the radar because she calls in, she lived in Chicago, and she calls the police, 1974, say, hey, somebody robbed me. They took about $14,000 furs, jewelry, and cash. And the detective that took her statement, he was like, hmm. So he asked for a glass of water. She brings in the glass. He drinks it. He keeps the glass. Because something's going off in his head. Like, why is this? It turned out two years earlier, the same woman had made a bogus claim that someone had robbed her then. And it turned out this instance was bogus as well. So this is where they start getting into her business. And they find out she was getting Illinois welfare checks and food stamps, even though she was driving three 1974, same, same model year cars, a Caddy, a Lincoln, and a Chevrolet station wagon. 
And she did have at least 30 aliases, uh, some of which were Connie Walker, Linda Bennett, Linda Jones, Connie Jarvis, Donnie Jarvis, Linda Wakefield, Constance Howard. So, yes, she was gaming the system. But here's the thing. She couldn't have done what she did if there hadn't been so many holes in the bureaucracy of the government aid system there in in Illinois. To exploit. To exploit. And she did that shit. Like, I'm not condoning crime, but she did that shit. So they're investigating her. 1976, same cop, goes to visit her again because once again she's saying, well, somebody's saying something got stolen. This time, though, it was her that stole some shit. She had been living with a woman and apparently had stole $800 worth of stuff from her. Woman called the cops on her. Same detective. He's like, wait a minute, here's her name coming up again. So they go through... Um. Old lady, old girl's apartment, they find phone bills, insurance policies, credit cards, death certificates, veteran administration correspondence, birth certificates, a rent receipt, a mortgage receipt, a mortgage notice, and at least five to six different names, all of them. Some of them were her aliases, some of them were just names of other people complete because she has stole shit from them. So by the time they get the woman, by the time they um, arrest her, she had, she had racked up quite a few charges. And when Reagan first mentions, you know, hearing about the story, she had only been charged. She hadn't gone to trial yet. She didn't go to trial until 70, 74. Oh, 77, excuse me. They gave her like two to six. She had only gotten away with about, and I say only, $8,000 worth of welfare in the form of, you know, Social Security, uh, death benefits, VA death benefits. She had had at least seven husbands. Not all of them wanted to talk because some of them were, like, deathly afraid of her. She was like that. This woman got down. But the thing was, the welfare fraud wasn't the worst of it. She had actually been implicated but never charged in kidnapping and a murder but they didn't have enough evidence on either one of those things she did dirt she goes to jail on the fraud charges she got got for fraud and perjury she goes to jail gets out she has some kids she disappears into the 80s kind of like just disappears she goes off the radar her kids don't even talk to her that much and she ends up passing she passed away in 2002 and there's some some speculation even in the article i read that she may have had some issues don't know like nobody actually really knew her real freaking name who knows but the point was is that the system allowed her to get away with it. And Reagan used this story, even though he had some of the stuff wrong. He was only reading what the media was giving him, and they got some stuff wrong. Right. But he was attempting to put out there, you see how people cheat the system. I'm going to put a stop to that. And, of course, it appealed 
to conservatives. They appeal to conservatives now and they appeal to conservatives now. But the thing about welfare fraud, it's not what they keep wanting it to look like. And the idea about welfare fraud goes clear back to the early 60s. And here's the interesting thing. The majority of known offenders were men. The majority of offenders now is men. I found that fascinating. I know. So while magazines and such were publishing these stories about, you know, usually single mothers, fraud in the system, it really wasn't even remotely like that. And of course, somehow it gets framed up that when people talk about the quote welfare queen, they're talking about black single mothers. Well, yeah, that's code word for that's code for that. And at first, people thought Reagan had come up with the phrase, but it was actually a reporter that came up with the phrase when he had written an article about Taylor um, back in the 70s. But that particular label, that phrase has stuck. So, and of course, it, it, it overlooks the fact that, one, people from all ethnic backgrounds receive welfare and government assistance. By percentage, it's mostly white folk. Still yes. now. And even with Clinton's attempts to uh, try to reform welfare when he was in office, it did some, but not enough because they went, they transitioned from a program that was called Aid to Families with Dependent Children or AFDC. They transitioned from that in 96 to something called TANF. Temporary aid to needy families. And they changed the requirements that you could only get benefits for up to five years and you had to apply for X amount of jobs and show proof right. in order to continue receiving it. Here's the fun part. Later adjustments to this included capping how much a single mother could get her child. So effectively, they're trying to mandate how many kids you can have. You're only going to get this much. And if you have more than X amount of kids, we're not giving you any more aid. Yeah. So you're penalizing women to have more children, regardless of if however they happen to be single. Because single mothers are always, it's not because they've never been married. Let's be clear. There are many different ways that why women will end up single mothers. But they don't they don't want to acknowledge that. All they want to say is that these women made bad choices and ended up pregnant, unmarried, and they don't deserve all of what they're getting. As a matter of fact, studies, a particular study that I read showed that white people, when they felt like it was blacks that were most likely to receive benefits, they were less inclined to support welfare programs. But if they thought white people were the ones getting it, they were more inclined to support it. Another shocker. And this is as of recently as 2022, which is when this report uh, noted that. Hello. I'm I'm stunned. You're stunned. (laughs) You know, I've always felt, not always felt, I don't know. I feel like, though, in this country that 
we we need welfare and stuff like that. We we need it. School lunch programs, all that. We need. Mm-hmm. There are people mm-hmm. that are underprivileged. Mm-hmm. But I've also thought that this country looks at it wrong. Mm. I feel like somebody in that situation should be given the opportunity free. I know that's the scary part <laughs> to go to a technical school or a junior college, have childcare paid for as part of this and receive the food, the SNAP benefits and all of that. Because in my opinion, and then after you graduate, I feel like, you know, you should probably maintain at least a C average. I don't think if you're flunking out that you should get to keep doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I understand there are situations that can make it hard, but I feel like you should at least be like, I need to put some effort into this. Mm -hmm. And even if you, after the person graduates, you step the benefits down over a year, 18 months, whatever. In the front end, you're spending more money from, you know, the government side, right? On the mm-hmm. front end. Mm-hmm. But if you take somebody that, let's just say, goes to Votech and gets a degree in a trade from mm-hmm. the Votech, right? Mm-hmm. Come an electrician. Mm-hmm. An electrician, once they get past apprenticeship and move to journeyman status, Depending where you are in the country, you can make, you know, 70 to 100K. Welders in the Dakotas start out at like 90K. Mm-hmm. So short, you know, on the front end, you're putting the money out there. On the long end, you will make that money back in taxes paid and then some. And then it becomes sort of, you know, we've, we've talked about the circle of poverty. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're making a circle of breaking out of poverty. And then you're going to have more people paying taxes. And isn't that a good thing, right? That um, That's exactly the but idea that instead of penalizing women who just happen to find themselves being this, the only, and, and again, this was mainly focused at women. So therefore most people believed it was women. So for women, like with this, this benefit cap, in order for you to get your benefits raised, if you had another kid, you had to show proof that it was due to a failure of birth control or some kind of sexual abuse, rape or incest. You really want these women to let you dig that deeply into their. Pro- and like yeah. you said, instead of trying to guilt these women, do like you mentioned. Allow them educational opportunities, either going to school or trade. Allow them somewhere safe to put their kids while they do it. And just like you said, those are opportunities, all opportunities to break the poverty cycle. Never mind how much tax money these, these people would put back into the system once they're gainfully employed. That's that's the yeah. end goal. The main goal is to get these people independent and caring for themselves because welfare and government aid, at least these parts of it, are only meant to be like a stopgap. People don't realize, though, that government aid also includes Social Security. 
and yeah. Medicaid. People yeah. don't realize that that falls under government aid. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the same thing of given educational opportunities and talking about it being the long-term view, because you're breaking the generational poverty cycle, the children of those people are going to be more likely to get an education, go to a trade school, and never have to be on any sort of public assistance or welfare, anything like that, making it even better long-term prospects because now it's generational people not having to do that because you broke the cycle. And it wasn't crazy. And it wasn't helping that politicians were still using that stereo stereotype. To this day. To this day. Consider this from 2012 when my favorite GOP Mittens Romney said this about his opponent, Barack Hussein Obama, or actually one of his campaign ads. Quote, do you support work for welfare? Barack Obama has a long history of opposing work for welfare. On July 12th, Obama quietly ended work requirements for welfare. You wouldn't have to work and wouldn't have to train for a job. Mitt Romney strongly believes that work must be part of welfare. The Romney plan for a strong middle class. It will put work back in welfare. Did I sound like one of those? This ad paid for by the Mitt Romney. You had had it kind of down there. That sounded, you know, yeah. But the welfare fraud does not not happen as often as people like to think. And not nearly that much of people's tax money goes to welfare aid, specifically food stamps and um, like SNAP or TANF. Two, three percent if. Right. Of your taxes go to that. Mind you, it's a billion dollar uh, setup. I'm, I'm, I'm missing the word that I want to say. But it's not like a big old chunk of your taxes are going there. Like you're literally not paying for so-and-so's cart of stuff you think they shouldn't be eating. Please shut the hell up. Don't do that. Right. Especially since, you know, there is a, I don't want to say tax write-off. I'm not sure how to put it, but if you're a millionaire and you buy a yacht, there's Mm -hmm. a certain percentage of that that you can claim on your taxes and have written off. So there's a, a yacht exception Go but figure. Let's, let's not let some kid, you know, have lunch over the summer when there's no school. <laughs> the thing of it is, is that, like I mentioned, welfare fraud does not happen like people think it happens. So here's some numbers about welfare statistics for 2023, last year. Government benefits fraud has decreased by 28.3% since 2017. The total number of government benefits fraud offenders on record in 2021 is just 342. That is a minuscule. That can't even be a percent of a percent. Down from 477 in 2017, but up from 274 in 2020. Still, all of those are tiny numbers. 
compared to how many people actually receive benefits, absolutely. And here's the fun part. Nearly 67% of government benefits fraud offenders, again, this is 2023, were men. Right. And the average offender is 46 years old. Right. Now, for all those ninnies that were screaming about people getting extra when COVID hit, and I'm not talking about the PPP frosters, fuck them. I mean, us regular, regular, everyday folk. Stimulus payments related to COVID-19 relief legislation helped move nearly 9 million individuals out of poverty in 2021. 9 million. Which is what we want, theoretically. I mean, you and I want that. There's a whole group that doesn't, but we are not not. part of that group. Unemployment benefits that were expanded into 2021 prevented a fall into poverty for over 2 million people, which meant people that still hadn't either hadn't been able to go back to the jobs that they maybe got laid off from or weren't able Mm -hmm. to get any jobs, period. Extending them into the next year helped them not go into poverty. It's nonsense. Yeah. Why why are people bad mouthing this? It's is it badly run in a lot of states? Probably. Does that mean that, that it's not worth it? No. It absolutely is. And the truth of the matter is a lot of stuff would probably be caught if they weren't always gutting bureaucracies of Whatever that state's, you know, version of Oklahoma's DHS, Department of Human Services. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but what's the first thing they always want to cut? DHS. Well, guess who are the people that are going to find the fraud? There you go. And all these same people that are doing that are all sitting here talking about how Donald Trump didn't commit crimes with the New York civil fraud trial that just happened. That it was a victimless crime. No, it's not. Because when you are lying about the value of your properties and then they get taxed at a lower level, Mm -hmm. that hurts the taxpayers because now we have less money and taxes to do the things that we have a society has agreed that the government needs to provide for people. It is not a victimless crime. No. And the fact but let's that, ignore that. And the fact that he allegedly had so much and, and wanted more and had no problem trying to get it. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't want to get into it because I'll just go on and on and on. Right. We all know. We we all know what the right. obvious issue is with him. But yeah, it it's that was sort of the, the perfect example to mm-hmm, explain mm-hmm. the opposite mm-hmm. end of you know, the welfare fraudster thing. Because, like, he legitimately frauded, like you said, indirectly, all the rest of us. Yeah. Thanks. You know, and not, and just a note on that, you know what, I'm I'm lying. I'm going to go, I'm going to mention this, and I'll be done talking about him, at least, you know, today. I might, it might be pie in the sky, and it might be that I haven't had enough sleep. I might be delusional. But I really think that in small ways, 
sort of like when there's a little tiny crack in the dam and then that crack interconnects on the nut and crack. I feel like this is starting to be the beginning of watching his base start to crumble. We can only help. I feel like it though. Write this down as a prediction. Because remember how our predictions like went completely, you know, we tried to make those like a month ago and it, it didn't happen. Write this down. The good news is with interest, we're actually pretty close. <laughs> because he's well, we getting were. 80 grand a day in interest. <laughs> and when you factor all of that in, we actually ended up better off than we thought. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I feel like it's crumbling for him. There's always going to be he's always going to have his supporters because now that he's in, you know, our sphere of, of existence, he's always going to be there. And there's always somebody that's going to make a Messiah yeah. out of him. But I feel like the base that he needs to even look like he's, he's in the ball game come November. I think it's, it's slowly with like, like, I feel it. I, I actually kind of agree with you, but I think the reason you haven't, heard about it is i think that you know the ultra maga they're just getting louder Mm -hmm. so as someone leaves maga the ultra maga is getting even louder so you don't necessarily notice it but i do think that a lot of the people that are leaving maga Mm -hmm. are being very very quiet about Mm -hmm. it in their support Mm -hmm. of trump because they're embarrassed yes absolutely and so they're just not saying anything Yep. Which kind of ties in, obviously it ties in with what you were saying. So <laughs> I, but I, I'm hoping that is the case. I hope, I hope I'm just, I hope my whole radar isn't gone completely haywire now that I hit 50. I hope not. But I feel like that's how it trenches. Like you said, it's quiet. It is a quiet disassociation, but I yeah. think it's happening. I think it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, I just, it, the welfare queen business. I um, there was this show on Netflix, and they canceled after like three seasons, and Glow. I'm horrified. Glow. That's exactly where I got this from because I was binge yeah. watching it again because I love it, and I'm like, her character. I'm like, Reagan. So I'm like, let me. And I started digging, and I said, that's where I found the story about the woman that that was all based on, and then a whole rabbit hole of some stats and it's not anywhere remotely like what most people think it's just not yeah it's just not so i i don't know like here's a thing and I'll, i'll wrap up after this 1973 where you saw uh magazines Showing welfare recipients, you know, I guess it was in reference to an agency or something. 75% of those ads featured Black Americans, when in fact, Black Americans made up 35% of welfare recipients at the time and were only 12.8% of the U.S. population. In 2019, the share of Black Americans in poverty was 1.8 times greater than their share among the general population, which is what tends to happen to marginalized communities. Anytime a society is affected negatively, it's compounded on marginalized communities. That makes sense. Yes. But again, 
At that time, Blacks still only represented 13.2% of total population in the states, but 23.8% of the property population. And again, this is, we were just saying it, we've probably been saying it a lot in the last few months about we're seeing the media like playing in our faces now. This is one of the ways they were doing it. Yeah. And in all actuality, if you think about it, um, when you have a 35% number receiving welfare for 13% of the population, that Mm -hmm. is, as we were saying, that is a failure on the rest of society, not the black community. Right. That's the real failure. It is. Because you're, you're just trying to live in the system that exists. It, it, and as we've discussed, redlining, mm-hmm. you know, this, this, this. That's why that number is like that. It, mm-hmm. The system and we as the rest of the nation have let that minority community down and caused that number. And yet no one wants to go that deep when they talk about issues that they think are occurring in black communities or Hispanic communities. Because usually those are the ones that get talked about negatively as, as just, you know, example by my WTF. Yeah. Hmm. It's like we were talking about that. It almost makes you sound conspiratorial. It does, but talk about how all (laughs) of these things are related. But when you go and do the, the study and you look in depth at it, it's, it's the fact. It's why these things have happened and it causes generational poverty. It's the system that is causing generational poverty. And that's why you end up with that number. We're it's failing up. people, not the black community isn't failing the black community. No. And of the course, system is failing the black community. You know, people within the black community would love to blame other people in the black community for failing the. But all that all that ends up being at the end of it all was that you, too, have bought into the bullshit that uh, white supremacy has done. It's done a number on y'all and it's convinced you that your own people are the problem when it's not. It's every yeah. it's every bit of the system that we live, like you said, every bit of the system that we live in, economic, social, educational, political, all of it. All of it. And it- that's. It's like Haiti. Yeah. The rest of the world has fucked over Haiti. But you know who else? I mean, yes, Haiti has had a ton of leaders that have done the exact same thing to the Haitian people. Mm -hmm. But the system for the rest of the world allowed those people to get into the power to do that. And yeah, sure. I'm sure there are leaders in the black community that are shit people that have done bad for the community. But that's not, you know. Not all cops are bad. There was just a rogue cop. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they're just, let's be honest, when there is a system that is failing a group of people in any way, there's always going to be an element that takes advantage of it. Mm-hmm. They don't give a crap about any of their people. We're all a mark, right? Mm, yeah. That happens. But let's be honest. The system is 98% responsible for these issues, right? And it's and it's not something that occurred all of a sudden. It has been like this. Just like just like with Haiti, when you have the deck stacked against you from damn near the beginning, 
it is always going to be an uphill climb. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And maybe you know? the and maybe the mountain isn't as steep. Well, the mountain isn't as steep. I'll put it that way. Let's say as it was for my parents or our grandparents. Right. But it's still there. We've just got different obstacles now. Yeah, and I'll be damned if there aren't people backing dump trucks on that mountain to make it steeper. Oh, <laughs> full, sure. You know, dump trucks full of dirt to make it steeper. So, Or like Judge Judy, or to paraphrase Judge Judy, they're pissing on our heads and calling it rain. Yeah. Still. But yep. um, there it is. The yeah. wealth, the, the myth of the welfare queen dispensed with. Listening friends, I'll include this link to this wonderful page that had all these stats because we know how people love numbers. It is very eye-opening. So we'll include that. And that's what I got. All right. Um, Before I transition into ending the pod, with this being Thursday, February 22nd, when this goes live on Tuesday, my wife would have had her 50th birthday on Saturday. Yay, happy birthday, Heather. 5-0. Yes. Happy Welcome. birthday, Heather. Welcome to the 5050 Club. <laughs> and um I have given her the greatest gift possible, the gift of me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, I had this issue of, you know, she has all this stuff on her list and we were I couldn't really determine, and we wanted to have um, her and I thought it would be cool if she had a birthday party at the skating rink. Oh, oh, nice. Because she loved going skating, but it turned out all of her friends who are also in the near 50-year-old range were afraid that they would fall and break something if they went roller skating. And nobody wanted to go and roller skate. So we then were sort of stuck trying to change tactics and then i remembered that heather had always said for a great many years that when she turned 50 she wanted to go skydiving yeah oh nice (laughs) so So you you set up that tandem thing so it looks like she is going to go skydiving with her hopefully her sister will be able to go but i will not be because i do not jump out of planes all right but she is going to get the opportunity to do that for her 50th birthday like she always wanted. That's cool. I'm sure she's going to have pictures, so I'll be waiting for that. Yeah, uh, you, you're familiar with my wife then. Hmm. <laughs> uh, speaking of things coming up, because that right there is significant. Le- less significant, but important as well. Um, by the time... Y'all listen to this. It will be already out. But Hulu is um, dropping a documentary uh, the 23rd, which, again, by the time you hear it, will be passed. The documentary is called The Piney Woods School. And it is about one of four remaining black boarding schools left in the country and the second oldest continually operating black boarding school in the country is particularly significant to me because my uncle, my mother's oldest brother, um, rest in peace, 20 years, he used to teach math and coach basketball there for many years. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you, and I've, 
I've driven past it now and you can't see it from the road. It's, it's back, back, back. Um, but not to go too far into it, but there was obviously a significant need to have these kinds of schools for young black kids, especially yeah. during that time period. And it's remarkable that there's, you know, two still or four still open. So this one in particular, like I said, has personal significance. So guys, if you have Hulu, go check it out. I know I am. I'll probably come post on our socials at some point about it. No spoilers, but please check it out. It's a very important part of history. So there you go. There you go. And with that, friends, if you would like to help us talk about history and the importance of it and all of that fun stuff, you can help us by going to buymeacoffee.com backslash hyperfocus pods. And with that, we'll catch you on the next one. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. <laughs>